Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 669. It is an old story and a sad one. She gave me a long look. What then will you trade me? The hushed heart, I said. In that you give a gift that is a gift to you, she said archly. What else? I will also make thousand hands, I said, watching her expression soften. And I will show you something new I have thought of all myself. I call it swaying against the wind. She crossed her arms and looked away, making a great show of indifference. New, perhaps, to you. I doubtless know it by a different name. Perhaps, I said. But if you will not trade, you cannot know. Very well, she conceded with a sigh, but only because you are quite good at thousand hands. Valerian looked up at the slender moon for a moment, then said, Long before the cities of man, before men, before fay, there were those who walked with their eyes open. They knew all the deep names of things. She paused and looked at me. Do you know what this means? When you know the name of a thing, do you have mastery over it? I said. No, she said, startling me with the weight of rebuke in her voice. Mastery was not given. They had the deep knowing of things, not mastery. To swim is not mastery over the water. To eat an apple is not mastery of the apple. She gave me a sharp look. Do you understand? I didn't. But I nodded anyway, not wanting to upset her or sidetrack the story. These old name-knowers moved smoothly through the world. They knew the fox, and they knew the hare, and they knew the space between the two. They drew a deep breath and let it out in a sigh. Sorry. She drew... She drew a deep breath and let it out in a sigh. Then came those who saw a thing and thought of changing it. They thought in terms of mastery. They were shapers, proud dreamers. She made a conciliatory gesture. And it was not all bad at first. They were wanders. Her face lit with memory, and her fingers gripped my arm excitedly. Once sitting on the wall of Morella, I ate fruit from a silver tree. It shone, and in the dark you could mark the mouth and eyes of all those who had tasted it. Was Morella in the Fay? Valerian frowned. No. I have said, this was before there was but one sky, one moon, one world, and in it was Morella, and the fruit, and myself eating it, eyes shining in the dark. How long ago was this? She gave a small shrug. Long ago. Long ago, longer than any book of history I had ever seen, or even heard of. The archives had copies of Caliptenia, histories that went back to the end of the page. 
I'm Nick. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. There's so much delightful stuff to unpack here. This is another one of the stories in a story, even though we don't jump into a narrator um, like we do when, when some other people are telling stories. And uh, there's a lot to close read, and I'm looking forward to it. Who wants to kick us off? Me, me, me. Pick me. Pick me. Uh, um, okay, Jeremy. So- what? <laughs> I'm kidding. Go ahead, Jordan. Okay. So I, I feel like I kind of like, I want to pick this up also from last page and then bring it to this page. And that is that there are things in these stories that Florian's telling us that tell us about her life even before she talks about Morelia. Because she also mentions things about like, oh, these are things we tell our children like on, on the last page. Um like she says it's okay to call it a fairy story because they tell their children manling stories so that says something about Valerian's relationship with other people or other fae so we know that she knows other fae that she does even though we haven't seen any other fae hanging out with Florian, we know that at some point she does hang out with other fae because she knows the ways of of people in groups she understands yeah, that and p- potentially fae do that have she children. has had children yeah, and even well, she maybe has. Had it's children. unclear whether or not she has had children, but there yeah, have definitely been unclear. children in her life, based on this. Um, yes, and for someone who is ageless, the idea of there being children is kind of an interesting, weird thing, because um, that that implies that not the, all they are pi- ageless. That's true, and I, also just to piggyback off this, we can tell from her story that she wasn't always solitary. Certainly she seems like she's lonely and she's hunting for, for men to come be her companions. But way, way back at Morella, there were others with her eating the silver fruit with her more than one. You or well, she might have been alone eating always... the silver. It's a, like, it doesn't specify that there were people who ate the fruit with her. It specified that by eating the fruit, you can understand who the other people who ate it were. That's, that was my reading. I it. think the implication is that it makes their mouth and like it, the juice of it glows and it makes their eyes glow. But you're right; it might might be a tree of knowledge thing also. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I kind of I kind of got it as like you'd take a bite of it and then suddenly you would know everyone else who had ever tasted that thing. It'd be like a magic connection. That's interesting. That's not how I take it, but that's very interesting. Okay, that's that's my bit. I think that it's interesting that Quoth cannot seem to wrap his head around this idea of like naming as peaceful coexistence naming as flow state naming as being part of of a system and that he has to approach it in terms of mastery and he doesn't really catch that uh that well i mean he catches that there is rebuke but he doesn't seem rebuked and he also doesn't like try to understand it he just says yes i understand so that florian will keep telling her story but he really avoids the lesson that even after the naming he's done with florian here uh, he continues to kind of avoid trying to understand the lesson that Eladin was trying to teach him. And also Florian is trying to teach him. And even Auri to an extent is trying to teach him that like the way to naming is not naming is not a path to, uh, through like control and mastery and power. Naming is, is becoming part of nature is, is an understanding and coexistence rather than, um, the like forceful mastery. And that seems like it's the the main difference between namers and shapers. We, this is also where we get introduced the idea of the shapers. I think this is much like Jeremy pointed out um, 
yesterday where that was the first time we as readers have been told about the nature of the moon. I believe this is the first time we're told about shapers and their antipathy toward namers. Um, and so I just think it's interesting that on this in this page, Quoth seems to align himself more with the shapers based on his attitude toward the naming that uh, Florian describes. Now, I, I completely take your point about Quoth once again failing to really understand what a teacher is trying to tell him. But I, I do want to point out that Valerian has proven herself a very difficult to understand teacher in the past when she tries to explain to him uh, like how something works when he is interested in learning. Her answers are completely incomprehensible to him. So maybe he doesn't want to get bogged down in a how does this work conversation with her because he knows it's not going to go anywhere and he's just more interested in in the story. I think that is a possibility we can't completely overlook. Yeah, I think both things can be true. I also think it's worth taking into account that like Quoth is still like a a teenager and and at that a, a teenager who has experienced a lot of trauma and so like might be looking for the power that that naming would provide because it's a protection mechanism, right? Like it makes sense that he would focus a lot on that. Totally, totally. And I think that's a bit of a key to his uh, his tragedy and maybe uh, a core, as you say, it's like a core part of his motivation. And that's maybe why he, he continues to fail to understand naming, because what motivates him is a desire to never be powerless again and never feel that way and never be taken advantage of in that way and to uh, work his will so that others need not feel powerless either. And that's the mental block that's keeping him from understanding naming. Um, but as I think two things can be true, Jeremy. I think that both are true and that that's probably what Quoth is telling himself. But I do think that it's part of a l larger pattern. I do think that it's interesting because like me re as a reader, even when I was reading it the first time, I was like banging my head against the wall saying, Quoth, like Eladin is trying to teach you. I am getting what Eladin is putting down. How come you can't get it? And I think it's here too. And I think that it's all connected. I think all three of our points here are extremely valid because they're all kind of different parts of the same whole which is that quoth is like incapable of learning this lesson just now because of the nature of his trauma there is another thing on this page that i don't actually think we have talked about a ton on the show before which is that Valerian says this was before there was but one sky one moon one world and it was in morella so according to Valerian, there was a time when the Fae and the mortal world were one thing and they were split up presumably as part of this war between namers and shapers. And that does put me kind of in mind of the, the Christian idea that there was no separation between like be before God started naming things, the, the universe was just a kind of formless void. It was all one thing. And only through naming things did things become separate and distinct. Um... That's definitely interesting. There's definitely like a religious significance to that idea. I don't know that in this particular context, I see it's the connection. Like necessarily religious, but I. But this is a creation story. Well, this is the creation war. It's interesting. Yeah, that's a good point. This is the story of the creation war. 
And this is probably where Telu originates also. Like in a very real way, this is the creation story of this world, I expect. Um, of the, the four corners or of Temerant or whatever we, we care to call it. Because as Quoth says, this is prehistory. This is before anything that they have records of. Um, it did change the very nature of the world. And, you know, it's the capital C creation war. So it is a creation story. Yes. I'm out of things. We've heard of Morella before, I believe. Yes. Morella is one of the twin cities uh, that I think Scarpy talked about. Yeah, I'm just quickly looking it up. Oh, man. I totally forgot about this. Yeah, it's one of the... Yeah, so it's one of the cities listed in... Um, in the story, uh, yeah, in the story that Scarpy tells, uh, um, it's one of the cities that was destroyed in that story by Lanra. The cities were Belen, Antis, Ferret, Tenusa, Emlyn, the twin cities of Marilla and Morella, and then finally Myrterineal, which is the kind of the main city in that story. That strikes me Wait. as like a, a detail that might have been garbled down the centuries because. As to hear Falurian tell it, there was only ever one place, and it was Morella. No, 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 no. You're, you, you have the sentence backwards. It's there was one world, and Morella was in it, is what she says. Yeah, I'm with Nick on this one. Yeah. Okay. No, you're right. You're right. That does not. Pre- that does not preclude the existence of other cities. That is true. Indeed, but it also like it's certainly a more mundane life for, for Falurian, right? Like she's she's not. Or at least at this time, she wasn't like a forest elemental. Uh, or, you know, maybe the things were more close. She she could have been, right? But like, it's odd to think of her sitting on the walls of a city. So, I mean, to me, this just speaks that like in this time and place, everything was as miraculous and wondrous as we find Fulurian. And there were things in that world that were so miraculous that she found them to be wonders. You know, it's like it's like the Garden of Eden. It's like the, you know, the mythical hanging gardens of babylon it's 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 this a longed for golden age before the world was broken which is a pretty a common fantasy trope uh and uh, one that is common for a reason because it's effective and while we're on the subject just to remind everybody there are some there is evidence of the other cities still in the present day of the book um there's some evidence that Tinusa, the city in the story, uh, may have become Tinue, the city in Vintus, where all roads lead. Uh, and then also, uh, there is a city called Belen, and uh, Belene Baron is the name of the province that the University and Imra are in when Dena writes to Quoth. So it's entirely possible that uh, the university and Imra are built on the ruins of Belen and that Belen is perhaps uh, part of the underthing or, or the underthing is part of the ruins of Belen. Indeed. Mysteries within mysteries. Layers upon layers. It's always mysteries of one kind or another, but maybe the woman I'm chasing is the realest mystery of all. You can tune into more adventures of P.I. Jeremy on tomorrow's page of the Wind. Wind.